0: This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. (coughs) Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves." While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. November is the final month of the church's liturgical year. So day by day and Sunday by Sunday, every November, we're offered at Mass through the scripture and the prayers some of the big revelations that God has given to us ultimately through Jesus about the last things, as in what happens when we die, as in God's judgment of us eternally and right now, as in the real possibilities, two, there are only two, of living eternally. One is living eternally in heaven with God and everyone who is with God in heaven. With the addendum on All Souls Day, November 2nd, we celebrate, we observe the reality of purgatory, the purification state of people who ultimately will be in heaven. And the second possibility, I hope you've got the memo, is hell, living eternally apart from God and everybody who's with God in heaven. There are two eternal possibilities for all of us. So I think this month is a great reminder if you've been living as a Christian for a long time of these basic truths. And if you're new to this, this is unbelievably good news. It's all ultimately good news. The goal of every human life Jesus ultimately reveals is to get to heaven. We celebrated that on All Saints Day, the first of November. Every choice I make can be a choice for eternal life. Every choice I make day by day can be the choice to say no to eternal life. God reveals to our Jewish ancestors, and Jesus makes absolutely much more clear our eternal judgment, which is through Jesus. We'll get into this in two Sundays from now. Jesus is our judge when we die. Our choice is, do we accept the gift of eternal life that's offered to every one of us, By learning and doing God's will, or do we not accept that gift? It's all about accepting a gift. It's not a game. It's not a test. It's not God putting us through hoops. If I choose to do the will of God, Jesus makes clear, I say yes to that gift of eternal life. I'm totally free. I can choose to say no to it by not doing God's will, to repeat, which is ultimately revealed through Jesus. So, today's passage, whether it is when Jesus comes at the end of time to bring human history to its completion, that was reflected in that second reading from First Thessalonians, or if it's, I die today, and I'm judged by Jesus. He's going to judge the end of the world. He's going to judge me whatever it is I die, and it's the same judgment. The passage we just heard, the parable from Matthew 25, gets pretty deeply into this, some clarity from Jesus, about what to be careful about day by day. Jesus doesn't reveal anything like all there is to know about life after death. It's much more of a mystery than any of us or all of us can grasp. I believe what he reveals is what we need to know. If you are the savior of the world, if you gave your entire life to make it possible for people to live eternally, I think you would tell them what they need to know to get to heaven. So this parable, Matthew 25, the parable, is, it's very clear from the beginning. Number one, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, not to the crowd in general, not to people who haven't heard of him, but to people who have had the opportunity to meet him, to hear his word, and they have, in many ways, chosen to follow him. So that's you and me today. He's not speaking to people in general. He's speaking to his disciples. The parable is about a wedding feast. And Jesus says from the beginning, this is about the kingdom of heaven. This is ultimately about getting into heaven. In the parable, there is a wedding feast, which is heaven, and there is a bridegroom who is Jesus. The bridegroom makes the decision about who gets into the wedding feast and who does not get into the wedding feast. Many people get in, some people do not. How much more direct can our Savior be than the terms of this parable? So as best we know, and some of it is just sort of guessing, in Jesus' time and place, it appears from this parable that the wedding custom among Jewish people is something like this. The bridegroom lives over here, his home. He is going to travel. He's probably been betrothed, engaged to the bride, maybe for a year or so. When the wedding actually is gonna take place, he travels from his house to her house, and he does the final marriage contract with her family. This may take time. It might be very detailed, it might be less detailed, there might be some haggling, so it's gonna take some time. Then he and the bride and her family are gonna travel back to his house, so that might also take time. Who's gonna greet them along the way, and they enter into the wedding feast in his house. When they get into the wedding feast, they lock the door. Do you lock your door at night? Do you live in Lawrence? You better lock your door at night. They lock the door. Everybody understands how this is going to take place. Everybody involved gets this. Don't have to be intelligent. Don't even have to be sober. Everybody gets this. At his house, there are bridesmaids. Their job... Again, very straightforward, is to wait for the wedding party to come and to greet the wedding party when they get there. It's a fairly important job. I mean, it's simple, but he's chosen these women to represent his house. Their greeting really matters. And the wedding in the parable is taking place at night. So all they need to do is show up, bring lamps, because they have to light the darkness, and bring oil for lamps. To light a lamp, you need oil. Have you ever gone out to barbecue and you realize there's no f- fuel in your grill? You realize, I am so foolish. I didn't, this is so stupid. Have you tried to pop popcorn, but you didn't bring any popcorn? No, no one is that foolish. So, in this, lamp, oil show up. Everybody gets it, nobody is stupid. Very important responsibility because they're working for him in a, in a way. They are meant to serve him and his family well. So, in the story, there are 10 virgins. Very strange thing. Uh, that word virgin in Greek is why, why would it's translated here as virgin? It's a, it's a maiden. Maybe it's translated that way because the Blessed Virgin Mary, same word at the beginning of the Gospel is translated virgin, but I don't know anything about the sexual history of these women, so I'm going to use maiden. That's kind of a joke. They're they're characters. But anyway, maidens. There are ten maidens. Five of them are wise. Five of them are foolish. The five wise ones do what they know they're supposed to do. They show up, lamps, oil. You got this? The five foolish ones are foolish, they are not ignorant, they are not uninformed, they are foolish because they show up but they don't know what they 100% know they have to do. You cannot do this job for the bridegroom unless you have a lamp and oil. For whatever reason, and it's a parable, you can imagine whatever you want, they show up with just a lamp, no oil. So. The bridegroom is delayed off at the bridesmaid's house. Bridesmaid's, the, what do we call her? The, uh, not bridesmaid, the, the bride, thank you. Talking about stupid. Uh, the bride's house, delayed. Everybody at his house, all 10 maidens, fall. they become drowsy and they fall asleep. Very understandable. They're tired. They all fall asleep. He's delayed and at midnight, He arrives, and they hear the bridegroom is here. So they all get up, and they trim their lamps, which means they cut down the wick, presumably put in a fresh wick, put the oil that's needed into the lamp, they trim the lamps. The five wise maidens are good to go. The five foolish ones, what's the problem? No oil. So what do they do? Oh, please, come on, what do they do? They ask the wise ones, give us some of your oil. Again, please get these details. The wise ones are not being selfish, they're not being cruel. They have the oil they need to do their job. They have to do their job. If they give their oil, there isn't enough. If they give their oil, they say it. If we give it to you, there won't be enough to do this. Then they're going to fail, they're going to join the foolish ones and they're going to fail in what they have to do for the bridegroom. So they say, go off to the merchants and buy some. I don't know if they're oil merchants up at midnight, go off and buy some. They go off. Bridegroom and the wedding party arrives. The wise ones are ready, they do their job. Everyone goes into the wedding feast, and the door is locked. The five foolish ones then show up. The door is locked. And they say, Lord, Lord, to the bridegroom, open the door. And he says, amen, which means this is serious. I say to you, I do not know you. Not as in, hey, who's out there? I renounce you. I thought I knew you. You represented me. I do not know you. He's renouncing his relationship for good with these five foolish maidens. They are not going to get into the wedding feast. Okay, clearly that is about the real possibility of entering into heaven when Jesus judges us worthy to enter, and clearly it is about the real possibility of not entering heaven when Jesus judges us because we don't do what we know we're supposed to do in living his love. That could remind you of that parable we heard a couple of weeks ago about the person without the wedding garment. But I think this gets deeper, and I encourage you this week, really reflect on this passage. The details matter. So here are a few more details that are important to me. Those five foolish maidens presume that they know the bridegroom. They presume that he, I guess, is very merciful. That if they don't do what they fully need to do in serving him, he's still going to let them in. They say, Lord, Lord, open the door. Jesus in Matthew 7 says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. I can relate to those women, and I hope most of you can. If you're younger, maybe you can't yet. I know so much of what Jesus teaches us about how to live. And I freely choose not to do plenty of it. I know what I'm supposed to do. For a whole variety of reasons, I choose not to do it. And I think in the end, His mercy is going to extend beyond my sinfulness. I know Him. I know He's gonna give me credit for showing up. Yes, I am ripping off people day by day in my business, but I show up for Mass on Sunday, This partial credit will get me into heaven. Look at the parable. It does not matter what they think about him or what they presume to know. All that matters is that he knows them. They're wrong. They presume his mercy, and they're absolutely wrong. The bridegroom loves them. He wanted them in there. And he takes seriously their choices to not do what they know they need to do to get in there. I really push this on you because I have been, I have lived like those five foolish maidens. I'm presuming the mercy of Jesus is much bigger than all these things I'm choosing to do sinfully. Absolutely wrong. All that matters is what he knows about me, not what I presume to know about him. Second big thing that I think gets this deeper is, I think there is a group dynamic. Obviously, there's something of a group dynamic in this parable. Each of these people is judged individually. If one of them is actually doing her job and there's been confusion, she's going to be let into the wedding feast. The group dynamic is five of them are wise, five of them are foolish. If nine of them were wise... I wonder if the one would not get her act together and be wise. This is why the details really matter. Just imagine yourself in that. If you show up and there are four other maidens who are behaving foolishly, and you're behaving foolishly, I think it's more likely you're going to not turn it around than if it were nine and one. This is so true in every age from 2,000 years ago until the end of time in the church. The more of us who say, we're not going to live these teachings of Jesus, the more of us who do that, the more of us seem to do that. The more, I mean, just look at the church today. The more people in this country who say, I'm still Catholic, but I don't live this teaching, this teaching, this teaching, this teaching, the more people become part of that group, and not to idealize the past, but in other times and places, and many places in the world today, when the majority of people are actually trying to live the will of Jesus, it's much more likely that that helps people who are not to get with the program. So I invite you to consider that. This is such good news. In our community, without putting us on a pedestal, I think it is much more than norm for Catholics in Lawrence, for all of our problems, to actually live the truth, to acknowledge I am a sinner. Jesus is Lord. I am trying to learn his teaching, and I'm trying to put it into practice. The end of that parable, to repeat, is nothing but good news. Look at this community. There are so many people who recognize he is the bridegroom. I am working for him. I am responsible for doing, living his love in this world today. I'm taking it seriously. I am a limited person, but I am putting it into practice, and I'm trying to make this world more his kingdom. When he comes, I am ready. I'm doing my job, and I'm ready for eternal life. A great thing about most Catholics in Lawrence, I believe, at least most practicing Catholics, is that we are able to say... Right now, and moving into the future, I am not foolish. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.